This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Welcome back to the Impossible Things Podcast. I am Kyle, here with... Jimmy Donahue. Yeah, Jimmy Donahue, here in the, the land of China. Well, actually, we're in the land of IP right now. Yeah, we are. We're out there in internet land, which is is great. Uh, I mean, we really had hoped on doing this in person, I guess, but we wanted to deliver an episode, as we keep saying, as promised, and we found technology is on our side this time. Right. So, being that uh, Jimmy is still at work, I am in my hotel room. We are, we are going to make this happen. It's going to be great. Uh, Jesse is hopefully sleeping right now. I, yeah. uh, well, it's it's Monday. He might be up. He might be up and on his way to work. Nonetheless, Jesse decided to leave this episode up to the two of us, so we are going to do our best to do it justice. Which really was a bad decision on his part, because uh, it almost didn't happen. <laughs> we were really, really putting this one to That's the water. <laughs> well, I mean, last week's we recorded in the middle of the night on Sunday as well, so <laughs> yeah, he won't be too surprised, I think. No, but I mean, it's even worse because we're 18 hours in the future, and I think we're still going to be a couple of minutes late. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we'll, we'll cut to the chase here. We'll try to stay right on target. We'll try to keep our attention right on target. Yeah. And uh, as, as was noted earlier in the month, and actually at the end of last month, when Jimmy and I recorded an episode together last time I was in, in the land of China, uh, we talked about this episode being about attention deficit disorder, right? And uh, how hairy that topic might be. Mm-hmm. But uh, J- Jimmy seemingly had a very strong opinion, <laughs> which uh, which I've kind of heard from a few people after I've shared my strong opinion. It seems that I'm not really alone in said strong opinion. There seems to be quite a few people that are curious to how. I think my biggest point was is that ADD is something that is is not necessarily like a disorder. I think that's basically what I said the last time was that it's not necessarily something that is a disorder. It's just a style in which people think. We shouldn't just immediately slap it as a disability in some way. I certainly am. T- I tend to agree. And uh, most of my research, even, even in the affirmative of diagnosing ADD and ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, has supported even even the ones that are in support of diagnosing it still support my opinion that it may be overdiagnosed and it might kind of be by certain parties by certain doctors I'm not saying it doesn't exist we can just cut to cut to that chase right now it it's not that it's impossible but I think it's kind of been being treated like a scapegoat by the medical community to excuse children's uh, I would say typical behavior. And you know, this is something we kind of talked about, a, you know, a kind of off topic a little bit. Like, I, I'll be the first person to say that, that I'm a little biased in my opinion, only because I, since I kind of grew up in a time where ADD, like, just a couple, just a couple grades before me, ADD, like, almost didn't exist. And then when everybody my age was growing up, it suddenly became this, like, rampant, like, epidemic, like, out of nowhere. Uh, and then to the point where it was like, I remember several report cards saying that I have ADD, so it's going to be hard for me to succeed in, in schooling. And, and then having to, you know, uh, we didn't try a ton, ton of different medications, but like there definitely were, we definitely went through a point where we were trying to try several prototype medications that none of them worked. Maybe a little bit jaded, but I can't, I can't help but, but think that 
a lot of that wasn't put on any actual science, that it was somebody had written a Wikipedia article at some point, and then some doctor said it was a good idea, and then because of how much money you can make off of prototype drugs, I'm pretty sure it's been pushed to a much further place and a much darker place than it would have actually gone. I will clarify that I actually have no actual factual evidence for that. That's <laughs> just how I feel. <laughs> Certainly your feelings aren't necessarily unfounded. Uh, a lot of the research I turned from this, I'm going to start with the, the medical definition. Uh, the National Institute of Mental Health, their website, it's a U.S. government-funded website and backed research defines attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a brain disorder marked by an ongoing pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity that interferes with functioning or development. Right. And then they go on they go on to define literally every aspect of that definition. What is inattention and what is hyperactivity and impulsivity and then what risk factors there are. And funny enough the top risk factor is genetics, which I thought was really interesting. But getting into tying it into the point that you just made, ADD was first mentioned in 1902 in the UK, but it was described as an abnormal defect of moral control in children, which is a really, really like somewhat vague, but definitely like you could, you could see the tie in between the two. However, in 1955, Ritalin was when the FDA approved Ritalin as a treatment for ADHD, mm -hmm. and it's pretty much exactly what is used today to treat it. So in 1980, there's a there's a book that the medical community uses called a the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. We know that book pretty well. Interesting. <laughs> we were going on a small tangent. My girlfriend Sarah is a marriage and family therapist, so she actually has that book. And she'll nerd out with it every now and then and show me horrible diagnoses that you can give people. <laughs> fun. I, it'd be interesting to hear her take on this. I'm sure I'm wrong in a little while, so it's fine. <laughs> well, then hopefully she listens to this and tells us why we're wrong and backs it up with some factual evidence. Yep, that would be good. So the 1968 edition of this book, which we're just going to call the DSM from here on out, okay. included the hyperkinetic impulse disorder for the first time, which is pretty much the exact same thing as ADD. And in 1987, the DSM changed the name to Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, kind of merging the two ideas from the, that British physician that first diagnosed it in 1902 and what they were calling hyperkinetic impulse disorder, essentially just hyperactive kids. So in the 1980s, they merged those definitions. And then in 1987, they removed the hyperactivity distinction and changed the name to Attention Deficit Disorder. They added the hyperactivity disorder. And the APA... Combined the three symptoms, inattentiveness, impulsivity, and hyperactivity, right. into a single type and did not identify subtypes of the disorder. ADHD cases began to climb significantly in the 1990s, and there may have been a few factors behind the rise in diagnoses. One, doctors are able to diagnose ADHD more efficiently. Two, more parents and teachers are aware of ADHD and are reporting their children's symptoms. And three, more children are actually developing ADHD. So those are the three reasons that uh, this particular timeline had as to why there might have been more cases reported, like when I was a kid and also when you were a kid. In addition, the access to the drug Ritalin was definitely much, much easier to get at. Yeah. One of the other things that was happening during that time, if you look at kids growing up in that time versus kids growing up in the 60s, you notice that like kids in the 60s didn't have as much ADD or attention deficit disorder or even much reporting of activity that was similar to that. Like it just, it, I, as you said, in the 90s, it started increasing. One of the things that started increasing during that time too was child obesity and, you know, diabetes and things like that. And kids were also growing. 
mainly because between like pretty much 1985 into like this last year, we're like doubling the amount of sugar we're putting in kids like lunches at schools on a daily basis. Like it, it to me, there's so much, there's so, there's so many like outside factors that are also happening in that same time period. I, I have a really hard time believing it's just humans are just having a harder time paying attention. I mean, every, every single four-year-old has an iPhone now to where they need constant stimulation all the time. There's, there's, like I said before, there's so much sugar and everything and God knows what else and all of the other food we eat. I don't think we really are setting up any of these kids today to, to succeed with not freaking out and losing their minds and not being able to pay attention. Well, seriously, I mean, like if you give, if you give a child, a, a two to five-year-old, which is like where most of these diagnoses come in, so if you give a if you give a child that's two to five years old a boatload of sugar, right, and then they start freaking out and acting up and not listening to you and they can't hold their you can't hold their attention on anything for longer than five seconds, like what do you think is going to happen? Exactly. And of course, it couldn't be the food that you gave them. Granted, this is a really generalized statement, but of course, it's really easy to blame anything else than the choices that you made. So now, how do we fix that problem? Well, instead of trying to change the way that we're learning or change the way that we're talking to them. It seems that, and, and I'm not saying that people don't do that. I'm saying more of, it, it seems to be that the first thing we do is now we cram a drug <laughs> into them to try and help fix whatever's going on inside of their brain chemistry, which we've already altered by, by shoving another drug in there, which is sugar, essentially. Synthetic, yeah. It's a synthetic drug, no less. It's not even natural sugar. This is the interesting thing about, you know, we, we the, our podcast is all about impossible and possible things. So it, this one's really kind of weird because it is, it is not something that we can ever say is possible or impossible because there there are so many cases of both. I could, I could very strongly look at evidence and say that in the 60s, ADD wasn't that big of a deal. Like it was not. But as we've said earlier, there was really no way to look for it up until the 90s. So there's that data that you kind of have to throw out. And then all of the newest data of like, well, ADD is on this, this, this rise, this crazy rise. It's like, well, so is, there's a lot of other things that are too. You know, our food is getting worse. Our water is getting worse. Our, our, well, our water's not as bad, but you know, there's a lot of fact. It makes it really hard to make like a definitive, like what is going on with this type of thing. So I, I actually, in, in my search for looking for research on on this and like what you know usually i pose my position as a question into google to try to find out if anybody else has addressed directly my viewpoint on what we're talking about and this one in particular i i typed is adhd overdiagnosed and there's an entire article about it it's a blog but it's a very well well researched well referenced blog about it the title is very misleading in that it says like is adhd is adhd overdiagnosed but the subtitle is, is ADHD overdiagnosed? Yes and no. And it's really interesting. It, it's actually written by a doctor, a psychologist. It's essentially saying that it's not necessarily overdiagnosed, but some of the screening measures might contribute to the problem right. of diagnosing ADHD. Well, that's interesting. It's, it, could, it could very well be a screen thing. And I'm wondering if it's like with certain things, as the pendulum swings one way, it swings back even harder the opposite direction. Uh, so maybe that's something that we're kind of going through right now to where we're over-diagnosing because we feel like we've been under-diagnosing for so long. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly, that, that, I think you can track that through the medical community. I feel like I read something in school about that uh, a matter of years ago 
uh, about the medical community doing just such a thing is that a as papers get published and journals publish more and more articles and the community is buzzing about any given thing, of course, like that's where the focus is going to be. And that's kind of what this, this physician says in his, his blog about this is just that he's not saying that the screening itself is the problem, but just that like it, how is it possible to give an unbiased screening when that's the diagnosis that everybody's talking about in the community? Right. Uh, something that I was reading about, uh, and it's something that I kind of I, I watched happen for the few friends was like, there was, there was like, like 10 years ago, there was uh, restless leg syndrome became incredibly popular among some people where everybody suddenly had restless leg syndrome and then two years went by and then everybody was cured and nobody had it anymore. Now don't get me wrong, restless leg syndrome is an actual real life thing that, that is actually pretty horrible to watch people go through. They totally can't control any of their movements. But it was something that a lot of people started to have or started to, to talk about whenever they would fall down or whenever they got into car accidents or something. It was. It, it was something that was so hard to prove that you actually had or not that it seemed that most people, or not most people, some people would use it to, to as kind of a scapegoat, which I think how I feel personally, that's how I feel that ADD is being treated amongst a lot of things, is that it's a way to not take any responsibility for, for other actions. It's easy just to slap, oh, well, my, my child can't focus because he just, his brain is messed up and that's it. Yeah, it certainly kind of gives the, gives the child or the patient, because, I mean, it's definitely prevalent among adults, and I can get to that in a second. Right. It definitely gives them kind of like the, a, a way to escape responsibility, exactly what you're saying, for their actions. I mean, this article I have about adults, uh, adults with ADHD, it actually focused, focused on the general population of adults that have ADHD is 4 to 8% of the entire population of the United States. But it's estimated that 25 to 40 percent of inmates currently in the criminal justice system have ADHD and are are either undiagnosed or and or untreated. Hmm. And I think it's an interesting statistic to throw into the middle of this because it, it's almost like presenting the excuse to a legal defense or legal counsel of some sort to go back in and re-argue cases, saying like, "Well, you know, they've got a mental disease. It's in this mental." You know, you could definitely carry that logic if you wanted to carry it from that perspective. And what does that do for people who really do have that problem, who have a problem uh, holding attention or not being impulsive? Like the part that I totally always miss in this is that it's not just like hyperactivity or not the not having the ability to focus. It's also lacking uh, lacking some common sense in in decision making. Mm -hmm. Impulsivity is completely like a third part of this that I I seem to have forgotten. That is interesting. It's an interesting way to... I, I think ultimately, like, there there was an opinion piece I had found about this uh, in the Huffington Post that was about this as well. This also came up when I typed in the, is ADD overdiagnosed? This one was way, way, way op-ed. Uh, this was a professor from Duke University throwing some statistics into his, into his, his thesis for what he was going to talk about, saying that the, the rates of ADD in kids have tripled in just 15 years. And... Right. He, he also had three theories as to why this might be. He was saying that it was under essentially what we've said already. It was way underdiagnosed before, so increased awareness has accounted for the new cases. And he said ADD is now being way over overdiagnosed, and now it's a fad promoted by drug companies to diagnose it. And he says the third option is some combination of both of the two of those. 
So he's saying that there's more than 9% of kids in the entire country that now qualify for the diagnosis, and almost half of those are on medication. He's saying this is clearly a public health problem. Like you've got almost almost a tenth of the children in society are diagnosed with this, and 5% of those, 5% of the entire population of kids are, are being medicated for it. It's really hard to not tie that to the, the drug companies producing this drug, obviously wanting to make money off of it and lobbying doctors to try it out, use it, see it, see it as a, I don't know, a test case for certain patients in certain cases. But like basically the entire article, which I'll post to the website, the entire article can be summed up by just saying like, you know, maybe medication is not the first solution to the problem to treating this. Maybe, maybe that's the last one. Maybe a change in diet, which is interesting enough that, <laughs> that you had mentioned that. But maybe a change in diet and a change in uh, daily activities and structured schedules would help before the medication would. Because there are certainly side effects. Right. Yeah, that's really, I actually really like that. That's actually a really cool, because you think about like the number 10% and you kind of like in my brain, I'm trying to visualize it with what it fits next to like 10%. Like how many, what, what's another, what's another thing that is 10% of the population? And would you consider that like a, something that you would think something would need to be medicated for? Like, uh, how many people are left-handed? Like if, if you take that number and you put it next to that, like 10%, I feel like that's gotten pretty close but you're not going to medicate people for being left-handed. Yeah, people usually get medicated for being blonde. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not being blonde, right? Depending on what culture you grew up in. Like, it's... I often wonder, like, what thing, like... Like, how we always look back and we're like, man, you know, the people in medieval times used to poop in their drinking water and thought that was a great idea. Uh, and now, now we know it's horrible. And then it's like, oh, even in, like, the 20s and 30s, we thought lead wasn't that bad of a thing and lead was awful and now it's like i'm wondering what they're gonna think about three thousand years in the future about our time like man they used to just cram sugar and everything and (laughs) and high fructose corn syrup right man they used to think that people used to just had a hard time paying attention was like a a disorder it just i don't know it's just food for thought interestingly enough left-handedness is a very good uh analog to the percentage numbers because it's seven to ten percent are left-handed oh really yes wow look at that i pulled that out of my butt yeah you did (laughs) (laughs) i mean it kind of gives it kind of gives some weight to the to the the thing because like i i certainly like i there's a whole article i have that i'll post about adult adhd and i couldn't tell you one person that i i feel has that diagnosis but out of a hundred people i know allegedly nine to ten of them are diagnosable. I mean, I know those numbers are, were related to kids, but like, fine, the adult numbers are four to five percent. So, okay, four to five out of the hundred people that I know should be diagnosable. And yeah, like, I think, you know, I think there are some people that, like, I could probably think of that, oh yeah, like maybe, maybe they do have a little bit hard time with attention, but I certainly wouldn't describe that as a, a mental disorder. I would say that hey, they think differently, or yeah, it's hard for them to focus because the, the, the people I'm thinking of are typically pretty smart and they're very clever with approaching problems. They just can't stay on one problem long enough to see it from start to finish. That's not the way their brains work. It's not always the way my brain works either, but again, I wouldn't go and medicate them for that. That's where you, you just put them in a behavioral situation where they can succeed instead of just medicating them and telling them they're it's a disorder that you have, you know, we're going to excuse all the behavior because 
you have no control over it. I mean, especially as an adult, how freeing would that be? Like you could just make whatever decisions you want and blame it on the disorder. That would be that would be great. Yeah, I wish I had a disorder. Tie me up. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, we're making a little bit of light of something that's probably a very serious issue for people. And like we are talking about a mental health issue. And I certainly I, ha- I have a lot of strong opinions about that. I've struggled with some things myself, no- nothing to the severity that anybody else has dealt with. But it's definitely hard when you do come to grips with that you have a problem that you feel is a problem and that is recognized as an actual issue. Dealing with that is not easy. At least from my perspective, I'm not going to speak for you, although I'm sure you'll agree. I'm not taking light of this entire issue and saying it doesn't exist. It certainly does exist, and it certainly does exist in severe cases and then more mild cases. Right. I'm just saying that maybe the first response isn't to cram a bunch of medication at somebody. Maybe the first response is to have people who love that person care for them and actually be involved and invested in the difficulty with them. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I would, I would absolutely agree. There's definitely, there's definitely no part of me that wants to ever have people think that this is like some funny thing because it's not, you know. And it's it, going through school with the, with a really hard time of paying attention was really hard. You know, like my grades were, I probably would have, you know, if I was better at school and better at paying attention, I mean, my life would have been completely different. I would, it would, I probably would have gone to college. It probably would have changed my my end career path. It would have, would have changed quite a bit. So it's definitely not something that is not real that's why that's why when we talked about this off off you know off the air one day it was like well what are we really talking about because it's not really this isn't really the normal cookie cutter thing that we talk about it's not like it's not like time travel is it a yes or no it's like it's a much deeper which is why it's such a hot topic though it's why (laughs) it's why i was joking about last week's podcast or two weeks ago whenever we did it and saying that like i'm gonna say something and it's gonna piss a bunch of people off because it it is a very complicated issue the the disorder is very real but it is underdiagnosing better or worse than the completely overdiagnosing because if you look at it that way the people in the middle who are still having a big problem still don't get the help they need. Yeah. It, so it's it's something that we can't use it as a scapegoat because it it's exactly like Russell's leg syndrome. It's a real thing. But for a long time, people were kind of making it up because it was easy to fake for a while. There was, I remember seeing something on the news a few years ago where there was a woman who pretended to have, you know, le- like Russell's leg syndrome. Or no, she pretended to have like uh, Bell palsy for like five years and finally someone caught her that she was lying about it so it's like it's it's you never want to be fraudulent about things like that because you're taking away from people that actually need the help absolutely and i i don't think it's not even just at a patient level at a doctor level too you always see those doctors who are like known for oh this person catches disease x or condition y way sooner than anybody else does and it's like why is it why is any one doctor known for diagnosing one thing that makes me think that maybe they don't know what they're talking about, or maybe they're trying to uh, make money off of the medication they're going to prescribe you in- inevitably for having that disease. And like you said, it completely takes away from people who are actually struggling with an actual issue. And that's the epidemic in this country, is that there are, there are people who are, are in mental, mental anguish who need actual help. And people are making light of those types of situations. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I, I can't, I've got ADD. And those are not things that necessarily should be uh, made light of, uh, especially to people who are actually struggling with that. Uh, but again, I don't think that medication is the first answer. 
it's it's probably about damn near the last answer that should ever be presented to anybody, um, with rare exception. So our next episode is actually an overview of uh, these three episodes from this month. We we talked about we talked about ADHD. We talked about the end of antibiotics, and we talked about uh, eradicating disease. So all kind of like in the same vein, and I'll be wrapping that up next week. I think I'm I'm on on deck for that one. That one's all me. Yeah, so it'd be great. Hopefully, I won't be super boring. Uh, and then we have a we have a fifth Monday this month. So we're Jesse and I were talking about doing a special episode, and hopefully that'll pan out. Otherwise, it'll be something uh, equally as boring as my overview. But our next regular episode is about smellovision. We're going back into uh, the technical impossibility realm. Uh, and so that should be a really interesting topic. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird topic title, so it might be something different than that, but smellovision that's what it is. All right, well, I'm excited to hear it. Jimmy, have a good night at work. I will. I'll try and get out of here as soon as I can. You have a good night at your hotel. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. ImpossibleThingsPodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.